tax optimization, we call it, isn't necessarily tax minimization. Sometimes you have bigger goals than a small tax bill. And it's important to understand what those goals are in a full picture of you as an entrepreneur so that we're picking the right strategies for you. Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Chris Harder Show's Another Money Monday over here, where we absolutely believe that both prosperity and generosity can and must coexist. Now, it's rare that I do an interview on a Money Monday, but I am interviewing a money expert, my friend, Shannon Weinstein. And I love Shannon's brand. It's the Keep What You Earn brand. So she's got the Keep What You Earn podcast and the Keep What You Earn business. She is a fractional CFO and a tax strategist. Now, how is that different than an accountant? Well, we're going to go deep and we're going to answer that for you because you definitely need to know when you're supposed to be working with a fractional CFO and a tax strategist, versus just working with an accountant. And we'll unpack that for you. I love her story, how she was able to work herself free from a high-paying, multi-six-figure career, but she was working for somebody else. She desired freedom, and she was able to start her now very significant multi-multi-multi-six-figure business by starting it as a side hustle and slowly transitioning out of her job. So if that's one of your goals, you're going to love this episode. And by the way, at the end, we kind of bonded together and decided to make one of her programs, one that I think every single solopreneur, every single founder, every single entrepreneur needs to take, needs to know. And that is she has the business financial quick starter. Basically, it helps you build your business's basic financial foundation by knowing your basic business financials that you need to be able to measure. Now, you don't have to do it all yourself, but you at least have to have a basic understanding of these things. And she's so kind. All of her programs are way underpriced as a service for you. We actually took one of her programs that was $199 that has all the information you need to know. And as a listener of the podcast, we knocked 50 bucks off for you as a favor. So it's only $149. You can get that if you want by going to keepwhatyouearn.com forward slash Chris. Again, we just kind of did this as a favor to the podcast listeners. Go to keepwhatyouearn.com forward slash Chris. That's how you're going to get the uh, program for only 149 bucks over there. And it's everything that a solopreneur or a, a founder or an entrepreneur needs to know. You know, one of the biggest deaths of a business is not a lack of sales but a lack of financial understanding, how to structure the business, understanding cash flow, all of those things. And that's what she teaches in there. So go check it out. Keepwhatyouearn.com forward slash Chris. All right, get ready because on a Money Monday like this, you're about to get one heck of a financial education by my good friend, Shannon Weinstein. All right, Shannon, my friend, welcome to the show. This is long overdue. How the heck are you? 
I'm doing great. Thanks, Chris. I'm really, really excited to be here. I have been looking forward to this for quite some time, actually, because, you know, we've worked together for a long time now. You were in Fast Foundations Mastermind, and we run in the same circle. And I have watched you absolutely bloom as an entrepreneur. And you actually hit a very special milestone recently. And this is where I want to start the show, because it's very aspirational. You walked away from a significant six-figure corporate job because mm-hmm. you're quote, side hustle, which I say that lightly because it's a multiple, multiple six-figure tax strategist firm. You walked away from your, your corporate gig, which paid you multiple six figures, and you've made the transition that everybody hopes to make. So let's start there. Tell me about this transition. Was it scary? Was it hard? How'd you do it? Oh, it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. But I'm an accountant, right? We're raised to be risk averse by nature. Like it's somehow in our bloods to be like, oh, I don't know about that. Like kind of just kind of hesitant to to take a big leap. And in my case, I knew starting back in about 2019 when I worked with our mutual friend, Jess Glazer, I started actually building my brand and, and showing up online and teaching. And I was like, I really like this. Coming from the heart of a teacher, I wanted to build my business. So I said, you know what? I'm going to make a plan. I really want to eventually be in a position where I could start a family. I could take care of my husband. I could do the things I want to do without any anchor back to a corporate job or, or feeling like my calendar was owned by anybody else. That was the biggest thing. So I, I was set out on a mission to build a business big enough to say goodbye to my corporate job. And it actually happened about six to nine months earlier than I thought it would. So I'm really happy about that. What milestone did you have to hit to know that you were secure walking away from that corporate job? Was it a certain dollar amount? Was it a certain number of months of consistency? How did you know it was okay? Well, for one, I was kind of put into a position where I was, I was really had to make a call because it was right before tax season of 2022. And I said, you know what? I'm getting big enough that I'm on the verge. I just know you have this like gut feeling. You're, I'm on the verge of something with, I'm going to expand and go to the next step. And I can't do a tax season and my job. I just know I can't do it if I want to show up as my best self in my business, basically. So. I talked about it with my husband and I actually, the gateway to it was actually a cash flow forecast because as an accounting nerd, I'm good at these things. And we put together a a kind of a forecast of the next year of cash flow. And I said, I can recoup my salary this year if you let me, not that my husband had to let me, but like if he, if he said, yeah, I'm on board, let's do it. Cause I was supposed to be the secure paycheck job. He is an entrepreneur with a, a business that makes over 5 million in revenue. So we were having this conversation of, you know, we both go the entrepreneur route. There is no like guaranteed paycheck. So we wanted to make sure we had the proper planning in place. Yeah, you were the stability, right? You, you yeah. were the, the paycheck, the health insurance, all those things. And and even though right. your husband makes $5 million in revenue, people need to understand that doesn't mean it's $5 million take home, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. He had a He had a similar salary to me when all was said and done. But losing that, like, you know, half of our income in theory was very, very scary. But what I had to do is prove that, you know, between these four or five actions I do this year, if I can accomplish these micro steps or micro goals, I will be able to take home close to what I would have, or I will be able to take home enough where as long as we're not spending frivolously, we will be just fine. I love that you used forecasting to make this decision. We're going to go there in a little bit, but I actually want to stay on the personal side, if you don't mind. Sure. I really want people to understand how freaking special you are and just how strong your hustle is. You mentioned in there, and I'm not sure people caught it. You mentioned take care of your husband. Yeah. You're not just out there being an entrepreneur and being a significant contributor. You're also taking care of your husband 
and helping him out physically a little bit. Do you mind sharing some of that background? Sure. So my husband, Jason, he was a former hockey goalie, which explains a lot of this, but he sustained (laughs) some uh, significant injuries. Ever since I met him, actually, he's been walking with a cane or he's been going through back surgeries. He currently has like a nerve stimulator. We go through multiple different surgeries. It's an emotional roller coaster. And it's not really easy for him to move. It's not easy for him to, you know, do some of life's daily tasks that he needs to do. And he he worked through a lot of pain. He's very resilient. And one of my main priorities, one of my whys, right, for the business is I don't want to be stuck at the office an hour away if I need to take him to the doctor or if I need to go do something for him so he can conserve energy. I really wanted to be able to be there for him as a first line of defense to be able to to help him. You know, I've got so much respect for you ever since I had learned that, uh, you know, that your hustle is both at home and at work, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I wanted you to share that. And I thank you for sharing that because to be able to walk away from your corporate job and have those responsibilities at home, I wanted to make sure everyone understood that if you can do it, anybody can do it. If it's on their heart, it is possible to do. And everyone's juggling a lot of things that other people don't see. I really wanted you to be an inspiration for everybody else. Now, there's somewhere else I want to go here real quick. Mm-hmm. And that is by nature, you should be very risk adverse, as you say, because, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're a tax strategist and accountant. And we typically picture them as being very risk adverse, yeah. except you truly did the opposite of being risk adverse by quitting your job and, and leaning full into your fractional CFO firm. Mm-hmm. On the surface, it seems like that would be risk adverse, but you have a lot of calculation in there. So talk to me about how you reconcile this type of risk adverse personality with Mm -hmm. the, the risk that it requires to play in entrepreneurship. I mean, to put it simply, every decision should be based on data, right? So major decisions in your life, you have to support with some type of data. And I totally understand like going with your gut, what's on your heart, like there is an element of that. But does the data also back it up? Because emotions are fleeting. These are temporary feelings sometimes. And you really have to ground some of these bigger decisions in actual data. And that's why this is my passion. That's why I have the career that I do is I love producing data that can help entrepreneurs make decisions like that. And even though it seems like it was risky or a big leap to quit your corporate job, I didn't do it, you know, give my two weeks notice and and say a prayer. I I knew that when I left, like, okay, buckle up because this tax season is going to get intense. I'm going to be super busy. I'm going to be working 40 hours a week hustling still. And I knew that if I did these types of things, I would be able to generate the income that we needed. So it was very much calculated for sure. A lot of people hear this and they say, that's not my personality. Like, I don't have that skill set. I am not good at forecasting futures. You know, numbers and finances scare me. Matter of fact, I'm describing my wife right now. She is everything that, that you're not in this type of situation. And this is what you help other people do as a mm-hmm. fractional CFO and a tax strategist. Now, a lot of people listening right now, they know what an accountant is, but they probably haven't come across a fractional CFO And they probably haven't come across a true tax strategist. Could you explain the difference between just being an accountant and being a fractional CFO and a tax strategist? One of the most common misunderstandings for entrepreneurs especially is, is the language, right? So accountant is like saying doctor, right? But if you break your foot, you're not calling a dermatologist, even though they're all called doctor. So the key thing is understanding the specialty or understanding what it is you actually need them to do for you. And then knowing what to order off the menu, right? Or where to go for that, that particular thing you need. 
And an accountant, I would say, is the most generic term to describe anyone in the accounting profession doing anything under the sun that we do from bookkeeping to payroll to taxes. And it could really be a a big descriptor, right? But if you want to get really specific, tax strategist is how I would phrase your co-author instead of your publisher when it comes to the story of your money. So every year, I always say tax returns are the story of how your money spent the year. And a tax preparer will take what you give them, like the manuscript, publish it and say, here, we filed it for you. But they're not actually saving you any money, most of them. What happens is if you have a tax strategist who works with you year round and is aware of tax law changes or is there to be an advisor to you when things happen and circumstances change, that's where the real value is because you have somebody that is co-authoring the story so you can change the ending. That's super important. And then A fractional CFO is a fancy word for someone who helps you from a strategic lens, look at your financials, understand the data that the bookkeeper is compiling and help you turn that into decisions or help you strategize your next offer, your pricing, your compensation. It could be any of these types of things to really help you reach your financial goals and come up with a plan to execute. You know, it's really important that we're talking about this right now because I want everybody, like we can condense time, we can collapse time for them if they just understand this difference and the importance Mm -hmm. of working with a true tax strategist. Like you said, an accountant, sure, they're going to file your taxes and, and, you know, a bookkeeper, they're going to keep your books for you. But in most cases, it's too late for them to save you a lot of money. Here's the punchline. The saving of the money comes from the, the preemptive strategy that you provide. I know for me and my tax team, my tax strategists, we're working together first it starts in January, then we're checking in in July, and then we're mm-hmm. we're doing our final executions in October, you know, looking at what we have for the last few months that we have to do. And it's all of that forward-looking strategy that saves us our money, not in April when all of a sudden we're filing the taxes and saying, hey, what deductions are there? And that's such an important thing for people to understand the difference in. Totally. And actually, you're going to love this, but the header on my website says, you deserve better than an April 15th one-night stand. Because oh I was, my God, this is the because, best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> because I was tired. I was actually tired of, and this is an interesting, I didn't tell you this part of the story actually, but I fired 80 clients last year. I got rid of 80% of my client base last year because I felt like a, sorry for the language, but I felt like a tax season whore because everyone was coming to me when they needed me, but text you up on April 14th. And I was going, you know what? I want to work with someone year round. I want to build relationships. I want to go deep, not wide. I want to have a a real hand in people's books and help them really strategize and get the results that they want without just touching the surface. So I actually fired, I guess you could say it, but I transitioned out 80% of my clients. I was left with 20% of them and I still doubled my revenue this year. So it's very possible to focus on going deeper instead of trying to please everybody. I'm I'm just so impressed with the way that you operate. Now, your whole brand, Keep What You Earn, which by the way, I think is one of the best brands on the planet. Are you kidding me? Keep What You Earn? I don't know how you got that branding. It is so freaking good. (laughs) It's going to be one of the biggest financial brands in the world. Mark my words. But obviously your whole mission is to help people keep what they earn. Before we start giving some of those tips, I want you to share like, when should somebody seek out a tax strategist like yourself? Is it Mm -hmm. when they're you know, creeping up on their first hundred grand of revenue, their first quarter million? Should you wait till they have a million? When should they actually be paying the retainer to work with someone like yourself? I would say if if you really want a tangible number, right? I would say if you're making $50,000 or more in profit and you have a single member LLC, I will come stage an intervention and I will come help you. But if you... <laughs> 
if you are north of that 50K profit, there is something for you for sure. Whether that's one strategy or many, right? So the the more money you make, the more strategies there are to play with. It's almost like the more clay there is, the more molding we can do. But it's really important to just be conscious of your tax situation. Like, are you content with how much you're paying in taxes right now? Do you think like, do you have this kind of like gut feeling that I feel like I'm not taking advantage of all the deductions that I could, even if you're south of that total, then there's something that we can do for you. So we just want to empower you with more knowledge around what you can do to lower your taxes in a very, legal and legit way. There's absolutely nothing wrong with trying to lower your tax bill using the law to your advantage. Okay. You just teed it up for me perfectly. I know of some people that pitch themselves as tax strategists out there and they charge, you know, absorbent fees each year to be a tax strategist. Mm-hmm. And I've heard horror stories in terms of how they go back and amend a whole bunch of returns and, and their clients excited because they're getting tens of thousands of dollars back that they didn't know they're going to get. And when they tell me about, I'm like, wait a minute, this math isn't adding up and you could be getting mm-hmm. yourself into trouble. So let's start with the what not to do piece. And then we're going to get into some of the what to do piece to help people keep what they earn. How can somebody know if their tax strategist or accounting team is throwing up some red flags that they should be you know, a little bit concerned about? My advice would be, and I don't expect anyone who's listening to this to become an expert in taxes or understand the law. But a great sort of test is, can they explain to you how you're saving money? Like, can they explain to you how the strategy works? Especially if it's if they're promising a really high refund, I would, you know, and it very well may be true, but I would ask a few more questions to understand how they're getting you that refund. And I would also want to understand, you know, what documentation are you expected to maintain to support that? Because the biggest thing that I see, just like you said, Chris, are these examples of folks who are getting them the refunds, filing the amended returns, but then they are nowhere to be found if these people get audited. And the problem is that the people who are the taxpayers, which is you listening, you're expected to produce a lot of documentation to support these deductions. So you have to understand at a bare minimum what is expected of you so that you can make a case for yourself or if you hire someone to represent you, that you have all the documentation that you need and that you're savvy enough to navigate it. Because like I said, you can always get help to do it, but you cannot give your financial power away by assuming that everyone else knows better than you and everyone has your back and trusting them wholeheartedly, you still need to be involved and engaged. Shannon, I care so much about every single listener. I really want them to hear this message. If somebody creates a fancy tax return for you and gets you all sorts of money back, it is not a valid excuse if the shit hits the fan Mm -hmm. to say, oh, my accountant did it. Oh, my tax attorney did it. You're still you, the burden is on you to, you know, make sure that you are working with the right people and provide the documentation to support the deductions. And most people don't realize this. Most people think they're going to be able to say, oh, sorry, I didn't know my accountant did this. And that is not the case. And I want people to understand that's the importance of making sure that you, one, have a basic knowledge. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to know everything, but one, have a basic knowledge, even if it's uncomfortable, and two, work with the right people. Because there's people that say, hey, you know, I have 25 grand a year to work with but I'm going to get you 50 or 75 grand back in amended refunds right away. And people fall for that because it sounds like a great exchange. Yeah, it really does. And, and I just interviewed Mel Abraham, our mutual friend on the podcast. Love him too. I feel like, I want to be him when I grow up because he's just like me as, you know, a CPA and has the same mindset mentality. And 
I really enjoy, I think of him when I say this and that's, you know, if you don't understand how you're making money or how you're saving money, then it's probably not a good way to make or save money if you can't explain how it happens. So that's my biggest test is, can you explain to a stranger how this works at a very high level? And if you can't, then go back to the drawing table and just talk through it with that strategist and fully understand why it is what they're doing makes sense because you could end up, you know, having to defend it later. What are some more questions that somebody can ask their tax professional to know if they're truly working with the right person or not? It really comes down to your values and being open to identifying your values in a professional. So I actually, this is going to sound funny, but I tell you to, you know, what are your biggest frustrations with your current professional? And then you phrase that in the opposite, right? So, you know, someone is, here's a common one I get you know, I handed off my documents to this person and I never heard from them for six months or they never call me, they never text me, they never email me. I have no idea where my stuff is and they just, it magically happens. I don't know how it happens, but it, it just, the tax return shows up in my mail. Then maybe you value communication and proactive communication at that. Or maybe you're of my generation, which is kind of the millennials or younger, and you just want to be uh, get like text message updates or something like that from them. You know, ask these types of questions like, how do you communicate with your clients? And how am I expected to communicate with you? What types of ways can we be successful together and get this type of outcome? And if they ask you, here's a great thing. If they actually ask you what your goals are, nobody asks what your goals are. And they assume, and here's the thing, tax optimization, we call it, isn't necessarily tax minimization. Sometimes you have bigger goals than a small tax bill. And it's important to understand what those goals are in a full picture of you as an entrepreneur so that we're picking the right strategies for you. Oh my God, that's so good because tax minimization means you're claiming, in most cases, the lowest profitability possible, but that could come back to bite you if you're planning to buy a house in two years or something like that. Yeah, very true. Or if you're not paying yourself a high enough salary as an S-corp, your social security benefits could be at risk. So you want to make sure that you're you're knowing what the short-term and long-term impacts of these decisions are and they're in line with your goals. That's the first thing we ask any client is what are your goals? And we dig deep. All right, Shannon, share some of the most commonly mistaken or most commonly abused write-offs out there. Because unfortunately, yeah. we live in a TikTok, Instagram world where everybody out there is saying the sexy things, right? They're like, hey, buy a 6,000 pound SUV and write off the whole thing and yeah. just all these other things. So would you share maybe two or three of the the traps that you know are, are people think they can do, but they should be a little bit cautious around? Yeah, my favorite is the G-Wagon, the one that you hit on. Oh, it's the, it's the you, know, you can buy a G-Wagon and the IRS pays for it. No way, never, never will that happen. And in which case, by the way, and, and here's the trap of that. It sounds sexy. People are out there trying to sell courses and other things and telling you this in their 30-second social media clip, right? But what is really behind the scenes in the fine print is, yes, if you buy that, you still have to pay for the insurance. You still have to pay for the, which is going to skyrocket. You still have to pay for the gas and fuel to fuel that thing. You also have to pay for the actual payments. Like the IRS doesn't pay for it. A deduction, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, is something that reduces your taxable income, but it is not a rebate. It's a coupon, not a gift card. So it's not a dollar dollar savings, you know, it's a simple reduction in how much you make so that you end up getting taxed on less money. So a lot of folks don't realize that you're spending a hundred dollars to save 20. 
right? So yep. ultimately you're still paying the 80. And that mindset of, oh, it's a deduction, it's a write-off. I remember that Shit's Creek episode, right? Where it's like, it's a write-off, it's a write-off. Like it's all free, right? But it's mm-hmm. uh, it's not, and that's a common misconception. And I think the other one I would say is personal care expenses. Like I need to look good on reels and social media and therefore all my facials, my nail care, my hair care are all deductible, my Botox, all that stuff that's really not going to fly. Every tax court case I've read is a no-go for that one because you have filters, you have other things you can do. And, you know, all of us want to look our best, but, you know, even though if you're filming and stuff, it's really challenging to deduct unless you can isolate it to a particular photo shoot or event or audition or something that will help make you money, but it's specifically identified towards that type of activity, not just like your routine mani-pedi. Now let's go to the positive, exciting side of that example you just gave. Let's say somebody buys a few outfits and they do an all-day photo shoot and they can show that that photo shoot is Mm -hmm. used in pictures on their sales page and pictures in their marketing and, you know, pictures in their Instagram. Like they've got true marketing content that they can link those outfits to. Is that deductible? So it could be, but the... The key thing here is, number one, does it have your brand on it? So right now, as we're doing this interview, I currently have a polo shirt on in my brand color that says, keep what you earn on it. So guess what? That was a deduction. But the second question is, if it's not branded, is can you wear it on a regular daily basis? You know, is it normal clothing you'd expect to see on the street? If it is, then it's very challenging to deduct because you'd have to argue that you purchased that piece of clothing with the sole unique purpose of using it for that photo shoot and absolutely nothing else or just for business purposes and nothing else. I can understand certain types of outfits. It always is going to depend on what type of business you have. That's a big factor because if you're, let's say you're like Lori and you do speaking engagements, you know, it's possible that wardrobe for speaking, like I doubt she's hanging around the house in some of those outfits she wears on stage, right? So there's a big difference here on, is it really for that purpose? And is it for that event in isolation? So that's that's some things you want to consider. It's such a great area. And that's why you need somebody really strong in your corner, like yourself to say, here is the interpretation of why it is. Here's the interpretation mm-hmm. of why maybe we shouldn't you know, claim that one. And it's really about the guidance, right? It's about getting really good guidance from a mentor. That's how I see a a really good tax planner. Okay, now share one or two really fun deductions that people Mm -hmm. don't think about or that they typically miss, even if they have just a side hustle. Well, and as always, it depends on your industry, right? So there are some really fun ones. I love my fitness professionals because you guys can deduct things like yoga mats and equipment, which I'm jealous of. But the, like during COVID when we all made our home gym, I was like, dang, those yoga instructors really lucked out on deductions this year. But if it's ordinary and necessary in the course of your business, you can generally make a deduction for certain things. I think a lot of the folks that I just think of like personal development, I think of thought leaders, I think of professional services. What you may not realize is things like your Audible subscription, even though it's very tiny, could be a deduction if you're exclusively using it for content to build your knowledge and build your business. Same thing goes continuing education, trainings, coaches, masterminds. These are deductions because... They are there to help empower you as a business owner and make you better at what you do, whether that be directly or indirectly. So I think a lot of times people hesitate to claim a lot of different things in the training area if it's not directly related to their trade. But in reality, if you're doing some other development, like you're learning new marketing strategies, even if you're a spa, right, or a a makeup studio, if you're learning new marketing strategies, that's still a thing that will accelerate your business. So it's considered a deduction. 
I love it. I'm going to give you some rapid fire uh, yes or no's, and then you let me know deduction sure. or no deduction. I'm sure you're okay. going to have color around it's each gonna be, one. It these depends are ones that, <laughs> for all of yeah, them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These are ones that are always on people's minds. So let's start yeah. with the fun, easy one. Your cell phone okay. bill if you have a business. Partially, it's the business use only. Ah, so explain there. So if you have, this is a funny rule I give. If you have one phone and you're claiming a 100% business, my answer is, what do you call your mother with then? So... Generally, if you're going to claim 100% business on a phone, you should either have multiple phones. You should have multiple phones if you're claiming 100% or you want to claim that phone at a percentage based on the business use, which is incredibly challenging to estimate, but we have a way that we help our clients do it. Yeah. So you might say, hey, 80%, and I'm just giving examples. Yeah, follow that's my a example, good one. Listener, but you might just say, hey, 80%, you can write off 20% you're calling mom from. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Okay. Next one receipts or no receipts? I mean, do you have to keep uh, them or can you show your credit card and maybe jot down a note? Here's what we talked about at dinner. So for meals, 100% yes receipts because you need to do the whole who, what, when, where, why, how of the receipt, right? So you have to say who you were with, what you talked about, where you were, how much you spent. A lot of that's on the receipt itself, but you just jot at the top, like dinner with Chris Harder to discuss tax plan, right? And then you put it away. And you can just save it. I take a picture of it because I'm just in that digital age and I'm a, you know, a digital nomad these days. So I just like having my laptop and having everything stored on the cloud. Now, I have a thing with receipts. I hate receipts, which sounds funny as a tax professional. I hate receipts. There's nothing you could do to insult me more than to tell me to save a piece of paper somewhere. So here's my rule, right? Number one, your credit card statements do not count. I'm going to just dispel that right now. Your credit card statements will not count because what the IRS is looking for if they audit you is proof of what you paid for. So the statement just shows how much you paid and where it went. And especially if the other party is some weird LLC name that has nothing to do with what you actually bought, it's super confusing. So you have to be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that that expense was business related. And usually the credit card statement isn't enough to make that proof. So you want to have something like an invoice. You want to have something else that proves what you spent, a receipt that is emailed to you and saves in a PDF and a folder, right? I always prefer digital. I also have a sort of personal rule, and I'm not projecting this on anyone listening, but my personal rule is like anything under $300, I just go, I'll roll the dice. Like, (laughs) I just go, uh, it's like, there's your 10 bucks IRS. I don't care if you make me deduct it or not. If you actually want to question it and them, I just have a value of my time, Chris, where I go for me to produce these receipts, it's not worth the $5, you know? So I, I I, I hear you loud and clear on that. Yeah. I just have a threshold of my own because I don't like maintaining receipts and it's something I don't enjoy. And I don't think is a valuable use of my time at a certain level. And that's my personal threshold, but yours might be different. But that's where I'm at, where I go, there aren't that many these days under that that threshold. So I'm just going, yeah, that's a total of whatever that I may be risking, but I'm okay with rolling those dice in that very, very, very small chance I get audited. Shannon, I am, this is the area where I got to tell you, I am absolutely guilty of doing it wrong. I am a no receipts guy. And I know I'm rolling the dice and I shouldn't be. What's a good system? You said you take pictures Mm -hmm. of it. And, you know, I've seen Expensify and Mm -hmm. all these other, you know, 
yep. softwares out there, but I never, I download them, I sign up for them, but I never end up using them. Do you have a good, easy system of taking a picture and storing it somewhere? If you have a QuickBooks already, which I recommend to most business owners, if you have QuickBooks online, you can actually email the receipt to a receipts email and it actually goes through AI and creates the transaction and matches it to your transaction. So like the amount of work you do is very minimal other than forwarding the receipt to that email. And then if you have a bookkeeper, even better, because then they'll take it the rest of the way over the... uh the yard line, right? So I would say that's a great resource if it's integrated. The other ones I like, I like Expensify and I also like Receipt Bank. That's the other one. And so you just download it and then it starts saving your receipts. Uh, yeah, you can take pictures. Yeah, you can take pictures of them. You can store them for later. I personally use my QuickBooks app. Uh, the QuickBooks has an app, if you guys don't know, that you can use to to do those receipts and take the picture live. So it just makes it a lot easier. Okay, I'm committing to getting better at receipts. Going forward, you've got my word. I'll come up with an <laughs> easy set. The problem is, you know, I've got a bookkeeper and the team and all that stuff. And yeah. so it feels clunky for me to like take a picture every single night of them out to dinner and like send it over. You know, plus we deduct a lot of DoorDash and Uber Eats and that kind of thing. Because Lori and I are legit working at night, both officers in the company and, you know, order the food so we can have a working evening. Is that deductible or not deductible? Not deductible. Oh, come on. Not deductible. You're hurting my my heart. Not deductible. That is a, that is a red X on that one, unfortunately. So it's been proven that like, so single meals, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur and you're eating solo. So if you're eating solo, the only time you can deduct it is if you're traveling. Now, the, the, where the line can get blurry is if you have really good documentation that, for example, you guys were discussing business of one of your companies, right? So then that company, you have to say what the business purpose was, right? So if, you know, you were advising Lori on something for light pink, then that might be a different play there. But what I also do is tell spouses to not go too crazy with the the meal deductions, even if you're employees in each other's businesses and it makes sense because the IRS knows people take advantage of that. So I just try to, like I said, it's always, it's always about the optimization and understanding the story that your profit and loss is telling. Because for example, Chris, that might be fine because that is like one of the lowest expenses probably in your P&L is meals expenses. You know, so when all is said and done, you know, if you do a couple of meals with Lori here and there to discuss business, that makes total sense. But if, uh, for example, you have an entrepreneur who's out there right now listening, who has meals expenses are 80% of their expenses. I'm like, oh, well, what's your job? Like, what do you do for a business? You go try food? Like, are you like Gordon Ramsay? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> right? So what is the core business? And does that make sense in the grand scheme of the picture? And that's why there aren't really any hard rules. But we look at your whole P&L and say, here's the story you're telling. Is that the story you want to project? Shannon, I'm absolutely loving these. Here's another question that you know I see pop up in business circles. Writing off the majority of your travel and making up a business reason for it. Talk to us about that. Yes or no? <laughs> making up a business reason for it? No. Actually finding legit business reasons by doing planning ahead of time? Yes. So my fa- it was one of my favorite ones to advise clients on. I always say that I like future tense, not past tense. So if you came to me and I and you said, hey, Shannon, we went on vacation last week and here's what we did. How much can we deduct? I'm like, I really wish you would have called me three weeks ago and said, we're thinking of doing a vacation. Here's where we're going. What can we do, right? Because if you're going and scouting real estate for a new office location or you're 
doing a podcast live with someone or interviewing someone or going to a seminar, a training, or just meeting up with folks and having meals that are business contacts, you can strategize that so that the majority of your days are business related. And then you can deduct airfare to and from. And there's a whole bunch of other things that get unlocked when you have a majority business trip. I love that. Now, what about if both you and your partner, I mean, like your spouse or significant other, are both officers in the company? Can you make them officers retreats? Where's the the gray line on that? Yeah, you could definitely do that. What, What it really comes down to is the reasonableness of the expenses with relation. Like I said, your whole story, right? So if you're spending 100 grand on a retreat for a company that makes 250, that's a little bit weird, right? So it's it really comes down to what story you're telling in the whole thing. But I do believe that, yes, you can do retreats, you can do meetings. One of my favorite, favorite tax laws is the one that enables you to rent your home to your business and have board meetings and have trainings and other things happen in your home. And you get a tax-free transfer of money for that. That is a golden strategy. Is that the Augusta rule? That is, yes. So can you explain that a little bit more to everyone? Because I think people don't have any idea about this one. And it's amazing. It's up Mm -hmm. to 14 days a year, isn't it? Correct. Up to 14 days a year and up to two properties. So Chris, I know you have three. So pick your two, (laughs) probably uh, Arizona. 14 for one property and 14 for another? Yes. Oh my God, this is amazing. Okay, keep going. So you have have, uh, Newport, Newport and Scottsdale. So I'm like, make sure you're maximizing this. So what you can do is... If you are a homeowner, let me just qualify this. If you are a homeowner and you have a business that is separate and distinct from you personally, so ideally not a single member LLC. So this is probably if you're a little bit further along and you're an S corporation or a C corporation, right? So if your tax is a corporation and you are an employee of your business, for example, then your business, so in my case, Financial Solutions, can rent out Shannon's house for up to 14 days a year And what happens is that money goes from my business to me personally. It is a business expense because it's a rent expense as though you were booking a conference room at a hotel or a nice venue, right? For your retreats or for your board meeting. You're going to instead pay that to yourself. But the kicker is that it's not income to you personally because there's this sort of grace of 14 days before the IRS makes you claim rental income. And this goes for anything. If you're renting out your house to anyone, like Airbnb, whatever, and it's less than 14 days in the year rented, then it's, you know, they consider it basically, well, that's not a serious rental because it was less than two weeks. And that came from Augusta, Georgia and the Masters Tournament. So that's where it comes from with the Augusta rule. I freaking love that. And I bet a lot of people have their minds blown right now. They're missing out on, mm-hmm. you know, 14 days worth of basically renting their own home through their business and, and being able to yeah. protect some of that income. Now, how do you determine mm-hmm. how much you should rent it for? And can you just say, hey, I'm renting it right. for $10,000 a day? So this is where we get into the the strategy piece and the documentation. This is where a lot of tax strategists and air quotes stop. And they say, yes, you can do this. And they amend your return and they'll go file it, right? But here's where we go the extra mile with it. You have to make sure you have a rental agreement. You have to make sure the terms are spelled out. And you have to make sure that that amount that you're planning on claiming in rent is is reasonable considering the timing of the days that you're doing it and the market rate of rent for a similar space. So you have to measure the square footage or I give a, a rough estimate. Then you have to understand what conference rooms and training centers can cost in your geographic area. And you can rent it out at the market rate of rent for those days. It's really great because if you have a bigger team or if you need a little bit more space, you can take advantage of that. And it's just a great strategy. 
Oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. Thanks for playing the game of yes or no with me. Sure. Uh, hopefully we got people a little bit motivated, a little bit mind blown. And if they, we have a little bit confused, don't worry. We're going to help clear that up for you. Now, I actually want to shift gears real quick. And I want to talk about you as an entrepreneur. When you decided to start your business and start the brand, keep what you earn, mm-hmm. you thought outside the box. And what I love is that you started the podcast, Keep What You Earn, and you're cranking mm-hmm. out five episodes a week. Yeah. Talk to me about this strategy because most people think, oh, I am a tax strategist. I should just give tax advice. Oh, I'm a, you know, whatever, a chiropractor. I should just market through normal chiropractor channels. But you got clever with this. Why did you start a podcast and commit so heavily to it? Because I'm super passionate about the idea that the number one quality anyone wants in a professional in my industry is trust. We are trusted with your social security number. We're trusted with your money. We're trusted with so much of your life, your information, confidential information, everything that I said, the number one thing you just want is trust. And the number one pain point I hear are symptoms that someone isn't trustworthy. So this person doesn't call me. This person does. It's all the insecurities, kind of like when you're dating that like, oh, I feel like that's just not the right fit, right? So I realized that I really have to go in all in on trust to build up the right clientele for my business. And part of that was, you know, being present on social media and having a podcast and building intimacy with sharing information all the time, all day, every day. There are no secrets. I'm sharing everything, every strategy, everything I have in my arsenal. You get all the best stuff for free in terms of information. But where we transition that into, you know, working with us is the implementation of all of that because it is difficult to implement. So I really wanted to go in all in on showing up as a teacher and giving you all the information you need to be successful. Shannon, I hope everybody who's an entrepreneur is taking note of this. I'm so bullish on people showing up almost daily and just giving, giving, giving free information, putting your best foot forward to build that no like and trust factor Because when you do that, you're playing the long game. When you do that, you're going to be the person that somebody thinks of when they have a bad tax experience or they get a big tax bill or they think, gosh, I'm just not getting the support that I should, you know, be getting. And you're going to be the first person they think of because you've been playing the long game and serving them five days a week for so long. Yeah. And I've actually had people come to me and say, I'm interested in working with you because I worked with a guy for five years that I thought I liked, but I've learned more from your free podcast than he's ever told me about my tax situation. So it's it's a really big shift to understand that this information shouldn't be withheld, shouldn't be kept secret. Our prior generation, so our parents' age, Chris, they were selling information. It was commoditized because we didn't have Google. I couldn't ask my desk clock a question about the tax code. It's 2022 now. Information's abundant. It should be free. It's in the air. It's like, you know, trying to charge for music after Napster came out, right? It hasn't been the same since. So I'm going, Um, guys, the information is at our fingertips. There's no reason to withhold it. There's no reason to charge for it. And we should just be giving it away for free. Yeah, you should just be the great source of information. And that's how you bring people over now, not hoarding it, not charging for it, being the easiest place to find the information that they need. And then they're going to buy. You said something earlier that I really want to point out. You said give something away for free and charge for what? Implementation. Implementation. That's right. Give away the information, charge for implementation. That's such a great approach for any entrepreneur listening out there. What Do you have a certain episode they should start with if they go... To, you know, oh, uh, tune in to keep what you learn, keep what you earn. Is there a certain <laughs> episode or just dive right in? 
I would say dive right in. But what we've done actually, and just shameless plug that I didn't tell you about is we actually have a podcast playlist generator because we realized that it's hard to find what you need in this vast library of episodes over the past year. And now that we're at five episodes a week, you can miss them so easily. So we actually started tagging our episodes and now you can generate a playlist based on where you're at in your business of suggested episodes that will help you in your journey. It's so good. It's business strategy. It's tax savings. It's money minds. It's it's all the things rolled into one. I highly recommend you guys go binge on this thing. Keep what you earn. I'm a podcast junkie and I love it. And and I know a bunch of other people always ping me about your show. And by the way, congrats. It's like, it's like rapidly growing. It's one of the, yeah. the fast growing hot shows out there. Yeah, we've hit the top 100 in entrepreneurship many times. And uh, it's really cool to see. And we've hit, we got, we've hit the top 10. I even hit number one in like, God, what was it, Turkey or Namibia? <laughs> so it was, uh, those were kind of fun so to see. There. <laughs> I know, right? Like the one person that's there is listening to podcasts. But it's been amazing because I did not expect it to be so successful. I really wanted to do it for fun and just to serve. I got the bug a long time ago when we were in Fast Foundations. Like, I really want to do this because, you know, everyone starts a podcast when they're in there. It's just kind of like a contagious thing. And I yeah. said, you know what? It's not the right time yet. It's not the right time yet. And I just went ahead and did it last year and said, I don't have time, <laughs> but I'm going to make the time. And I, I can't believe how much it's grown. So I'm really grateful. I'm seriously, I'm like so blown away and so proud. Shannon Weinstein, literally worldwide, you know, financial advisor. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So I want to, I want to shift gears a little bit and I, and I want to ask about the person who feels intimidated right now. Mm-hmm. And I really want to ask this on behalf of all the people who are like my wife, you know, numbers are fun to me. And, you know, understanding taxes and that kind of thing is fun to me. But I understand for most people, this strikes the fear of God in them. And yeah. they don't know even where to get the basics, where to start, you know, how much should they know and how much should they delegate. And it, mm-hmm. it money causes people to paralyze. And the problem is they start building a business and they wake up one day and realize that because they never bothered to learn the basics, they were building their business on a foundation of quicksand. Right. So where can individuals like this turn to at least get the basic knowledge? So I want to I wanna plant this thought that sometimes it's not the subject, it's the teacher. Because sometimes if, if you think about, think about high school and the subjects you hated, it was probably because for some reason, messages that the teachers were sending were not resonating with you. And the subjects that you loved really shaped you and set a, a course and direction for what you were going to do. I truly believe that. And I was blessed, I guess, that I had a lot of guidance from my dad and from my teachers to really, really love this stuff. And I learned the stuff at a very young age. And therefore, I teach it like I learned it when I was 12, 13. And because of that, my best resource I have for you for a brand new entrepreneur starting out, if you resonate with how I share this knowledge and, and how I talk or, or the language, right? We have a business financial quick starter course that is normally $199 and it's really accessible. It goes through seven modules and it's only 90 minutes of me actually teaching you. It's mostly tools, templates, and resources to guide you along the process so that you can start your business on a financially strong foundation and never have to wonder like, did I do this right? Or am I going to have to go back and clean up a mess? And trust me, it's a favor to any accounting professional you work with in the future. And you can always come back to it as well to refresh on the concept. So we wanted to put that out there for, for early stage entrepreneurs. See, this is what I love about you, Shannon, is 
one, you made it so affordable. It's $199. And actually, we're going to surprise people and give them 50 bucks off in a little bit here. Yeah. But more importantly, it's not you preaching for 18 hours of content. And that's where no. people stop learning. You said, you know, maybe they got 90 minutes of you preaching, but the rest is tools, templates, and resources. What are some of the tools, templates, and resources in there? So it's a way to compare bank accounts and credit cards to make sure you find the right one for you. We go through a bookkeeping checklist. So whether you're DIYing or you're outsourcing to someone, you know exactly what has to get done. And then you can actually mark it with, I'm doing this or my bookkeeper's doing this, but it makes sure that your whole grocery list is done, right? So if you don't know as a brand new entrepreneur, most people don't know what has to get done and therefore they don't know what to outsource. So they're working from a blank canvas of, I guess I hire a bookkeeper and they're just going to know what to do. So this gives you some guidelines on what has to get done. It also walks through common tax deductions so that you understand how to examine if something could be deductible. And we even talk about, you know, how to talk to your accounting professional, what questions to ask and things like that. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that the common tax deductions resource is going to pay for this course and then some. And I, I understand yeah. I'm making a bold statement here, but. Oh, it will. Easily, it will. Easily. Like there are they're going to hundreds learn of one deductions. Or two tax deductions that they're not getting right now. And then that is literally going to put the value of the course back in the pocket times 10. Yeah, there's about, I want to say there's there's tens, if not hundreds of deductions on that sheet or on these pages that will get you thinking and unlock some new opportunities. So I completely agree with that. And what I love about that resource, like you said, it's about asking better questions before it happens. So you can look at that resource of all the tax deductions and say, oh, I, that's an interesting one. How could I build my business so that I get to take advantage of that one? Right. Or, oh, gee, look at this one, business use of my home. How could I? work my business so I can take, you know, the full deduction on that thing. Oh, look, the Augusta rule. How could I, right? So what happens is it becomes a memory jogger or it becomes a, a resource for you to ask better questions proactively and say, oh, I didn't know these were available out here. How could I make sure I check the box to take advantage of each one of these things? And that's where the huge savings comes from is that proactive, that proactiveness. Yeah. And it's, it's a mindset thing too, because if we can make this approachable where folks are actually interested in this from the early stages and infancy of their business, then as they grow, they become more interested in implementing new strategies and layering on top of it without feeling like they miss out on opportunities along the way. Shannon, I mean, I am so impressed with what you've put together here. I'm not just going to recommend it for everyone. I'm going to say, if you trust me at all, if you have listened to this show and if I've given you any value in the past, and if Shannon has given you any value today, then you have to trust me when I say this is a must core pillar for you to understand and have in your business is the business financial quick starter. It's literally creating the core foundation the right way so that you know if you're getting duped. So that you know if your accountant is, is maybe misleading you. So you know how to pick the right people. This is what's going to protect you from saying, well, gee, I didn't know any better. And again, you and I share that common love of, of like making things accessible and giving away as much value as you can and, and making sure people get their hands on it, philanthropy, all those things. And you were kind enough to knock 50 bucks off the 199 just for them listening to the show. So literally $149, you guys. In fact, if $149 is going to stop you from getting this, please DM me and, and, and I'm happy happy to, to entertain helping you out. Now, don't DM me just looking for something for free, but that's how much I believe in this 
course. If $149 is going to stop you from learning, then DM me and let me know. And, and maybe I can help you out in a way. But if it's not, then I need you to trust me. you got to go to keepwhatyouearn.com forward slash Chris. That's how you get it for $149 instead of $199. Again, go to keepwhatyouearn.com forward slash Chris. And it's only $149 there. And that's literally an act of kindness on your behalf, Shannon. Thank you so much. That What a glowing endorsement. I really appreciate that. And if you guys have any questions along with the course, I'm accessible. You can find me on Instagram, obviously the podcast, but I'm at Shannon K. Weinstein. And I love chatting with entrepreneurs and answering questions. So do not be a stranger. That's something that you and I have in common. I love answering questions in DMs and I love being accessible to everyone. I feel like it's a cool way to help people out. You know, I wish I had that resource when I was starting out. So definitely go hit Shannon up, Shannon K. Weinstein on Instagram. And I mean it, guys. Like if I sound passionate, if I sound over the top, it's because I understand how freaking important this is. Go to keepwhatyouearn.com forward slash Chris and just Get the business financial quick starter for $149 to truly protect yourself and get that basic knowledge. There's maybe not a better resource out there. I'm even going to say it's better than the money principles, which, which I created. I think this one's more important if you're a business owner for sure. So go to keepwhatyouearn.com forward slash Chris. And Shannon, I just, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you. Thank you for being on. Thank you for being an inspiration. The way that you transitioned from corporate job to dream life. Thank you for always being a bright light, doing things the right way instead of doing things the, the shady way just because they're shiny. I really have so much respect for the speed and the hustle and the creativity and the integrity that that you have built this incredible brand with. And so, you know, from the, the show, the, from the podcast to the course, to the free information you give everybody, just know how grateful I am to, to call you a friend and a peer and to have you as a resource in my life. I'm super grateful, Chris. Thank you for providing a lot of the, we'll call it fertilizer that I was able to grow in because it was such a great experience being part of your mastermind, being exposed to your network and, uh, and being some really cool people and who encouraged me to take the, the, the route of integrity, the route of the long game and really investing in the micro steps. It, it makes all the difference in the world. Oh, I love it. it it's, it's a team effort and it always is. All right, guys, go yeah. listen to Keep What You Earn. Go DM Shannon at Shannon K. Weinstein on Instagram and definitely rush over to keepwhatyouearn.com forward slash Chris to get the $50 off the, the basic foundations that you need to know about your business finances. Shannon, thanks for being on. Totally appreciate you. And uh, we'll do this again sometime. Obviously, thank you so much for having me on and I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success. 